You're listening to Null and Void with Tony Grundy and Andy Callahan, a For the Now media production. As we quickly move forward to Christmas, we bring you glad tidings and episode 130 of your Null and Void sports podcast, a podcast overflowing with the gift of great sports stories, all your contacts, and a get a grip target that is just pleading to be hit. Anyway, to about my weekend or leading up to it, it was largely sweeping up water that congregates outside the front of Grundy Towers. We live towards the bottom of a hill, so the water and gunge, and when I uh, put that into my computer, it actually came out as grudge, which is probably about right, but there you go, comes down the hill. At least five times last week I was out there clearing things up. No, so not pushing water uphill exactly, but hard work nevertheless. Nobody clears the grids anymore. It used to be once a month, didn't it? Ten years ago anyway. In between, I find time uh, to watch a couple of really good WSL games and some Premier League games as well. Andy, you were up in Birmingham, weren't you? I was indeed, yeah. Yeah, up there with the Yam Yams, um, catching up with some friends for our annual pre-festive get-together. So uh, we did one of these virtual reality escape rooms. Um, It was a Christmas-themed, and you pulled on the old virtual reality glasses, and it had you there in Lapland trying to help Santa find the presents and feed the elves and get the sleigh all loaded up. Um, But what was very funny was that we were all in these separate cubicles with these hand controllers, and you can't see anything in the room you're in. And all you, but you're connected up by the microphones, and all you kept hearing was "Oh bugger, oh damn, ow!" As each <laughs> of us bumped into the walls with our hands and arms, <laughs> as we were actually, you got so into it, you're actually trying to move to pick something up and hitting the wall, wooden walls instead. So, but yeah, really good fun. And then out for a meal at one of these Brazilian uh, rodithio things, where they just come around with big spits of meat oh, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. What you want? Um, and you've got a little token that's got a green side when you want them to keep topping your plate up. I don't know what the other side is because I just kept them topping my plate up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that and a few drinks. But no, really nice get together. Um, had a walk through the German Christmas market in Birmingham and stopped for a glue vine or two. So, yeah, a very, very nice festive get together. But around that, I managed to watch the football and which I hadn't bothered. And then watch yeah. the rugby, which I was really pleased I did, which we'll talk about later on. Okay. I've got golf uh, first this week because really big news in the world of golf. Non avoiders may well remember when the Saudi backed LIV group that we've talked about set up in competition to the long established PGA, the Professional Golf Association. That initial split led to a number of top players defecting, Greg Norman and the like. More recently, there's been a move towards partnership. So you're thinking, okay, maybe it's settling down. But all of a sudden, PIV have flexed their muscles again and announced that current uh, current American Masters champion, John Rahm, had signed for LIV. Now listen to this in terms of how much for. It's a four-year deal of $700 million, 
$300 million of that is up front. Included in the deal, Ram gets 16 chefs. Now, that's a massive amount of money. Uh, other players are rumoured to be about to sign as well. Now, I wonder... Not just a uh, massive amount of money. That's an obscene amount of chefs. I mean... Well, you know, what What do you do with that? But that, that was the figure that's quoted. That's I wonder nuts. what Nolan Void golf professional Andy Weil, who's been a guest a number of times for us, thought of these events. This is what Andy said. He said, I don't blame John Rahm for taking the cash. I think most of us offered a couple of million dollars, if it was legal, would take the money. However, golfers are not worth this much money. It's becoming as ridiculous as football and unsustainable. And I fear for the future of this great game that we all love. We idolize many of these golfers for their skills and for many of their ded dedication to fitness and trade. I'm sure they give time and money to charitable organizations but when they seem to sell their soul to the highest bidder, they're in danger of losing our devotion. Good words, Andy, and I uh, wholeheartedly agree with you. So, I mean, uh, yeah, there's just one bit I'd take issue with there and disagree with Andy on. He said that most of us would take the money of what was it, that 300 million if it was legal. I'd take it if it was legal or illegal at that amount. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought you might say that, but anyway. Um, but we haven't had that offer either of us yet, so who knows? Not yet, but, you know, we are open to it. Obviously, if anyone wants to come in um, from LIV or PFI or any of those, MFI, uh, MDF, um, around uh, making us a bid <laughs> for that sort of money, then we'll gladly take the uh, podcast off to, uh, yeah, new markets and new shores. Yeah, indeed. Uh Next up, I've got football and uh, Women's Super League first. But before we actually talk about the Super League games the weekend, I wanted to just take us back a week or so because the last podcast was actually uh, recorded before the Lionesses played in that vital game. They were going to play uh, against away against Scotland, and we talked about it and said they needed to win that incredibly well away from home, which would be difficult. And if they didn't achieve that, it was linked to the qualification for the Olympics next year. Fail in winning the group, and they wouldn't be going to the Olympics either. So, well, the worst thing happened. England amazingly won 6-0. You couldn't really have expected or got anything better. But unfortunately, the Netherlands beat Belgium 4-0 with a goal in the 97th minute to clinch the group place. So no Nations Cup semi-final place and no Olympics next year. Very cruel and hard to take. And when you watch that game, as probably a lot of us did, you think 6-0, brilliant. And then to have that snatched away, that must be very, very difficult to take. Especially but anyway, so late. Yeah, I mean, you know, for a lot of the game, England had sort of gone into a 5-0, 6-0 lead. At that point, the Netherlands were winning two nil, and England were England were going well. Sorry, England were going through to the uh, semis of the uh, Nations League, and it looked like they were keeping Great Britain's hopes of qualifying for the Olympic side. Of course, they had to make the final, 
um, or come third in the tournament uh, if France won it to actually ensure Great Britain's qualification. So this wasn't the last step, but it was the next step. And unfortunately, it was a step um, in Shakespeare's terms upon which they could not leap. No. So, okay. So I I was watching WSL matches. Uh, I watched Arsenal against Chelsea. And Arsenal outplayed Chelsea uh, and winning easily 4-1. Very impressive. And Chelsea looked just off the pace. I also saw an impressive Manchester United team beat Spurs 5-1 away at Spurs. That now leaves Chelsea still top, but Arsenal are now on the same points, 19, with Manchester City and Manchester United closing the gap in third and fourth place. These games are superb entertainment and a great advert for the women's game. You've got a story about Mary Earp, haven't you? Uh, yeah, so the England goalkeeper, Mary Earps, um, in the summer, you'll remember there was, during the World Cup, quite a Ferrari that Nike had refused to produce and sell a replica goalkeeper kit um, for the market, which they've done for the men's teams at every tournament for the last however many years. Well, Nike have finally given in. Yet again, someone's listened to Null and Void because we were very critical of Nike at the time. Um, I think we even had them as the focus of one of our get-a-grips about it. Well, they made them. They made the batch, and the batch fully sold out in less than five minutes of going on sale. So apparently the number of shirts was the same as the number for equivalent men's tournaments, goalkeeper shirts at men's tournaments. Uh, But yeah. Mary Earps' goalkeeper kits, replica kits, the pink and yellow shirts, sold out in just five minutes. So brilliant news and just shows what a ridiculous decision it was by Nike in the World Cup in the first place. They should be absolutely embarrassed, Nike. Pathetic, pathetic. Anyway, let's move on. Premier League, um, Liverpool are currently top after a close 2-1 win at Palace, and City also won 2-1 at Luton, whilst Villa won against Arsenal, and that after beating City during the week. City uh, Villa are looking very solid, and some people see them as outsiders to win the league. You never know, Leicester did it, didn't they? But uh, I think there's a long way to go, particularly with Villa in the conference you know, having those games to play as well. But we'll see. Just at the moment, they look very competent. I think, I mean, our football correspondent, Billy Carr, and I were chatting about it in the week. And I said that this next couple of weeks will be really telling. As you say, Villa are going deep into the Europa Conference. Um, Also, over the Christmas period, the games come thick and fast. You've got two or even three games in a week at points. And this will be the test of, the depth of squad. I mean, you know, we'll come on to Newcastle's result in a minute, but I think this year has shown that Newcastle maybe where they achieved everything a year ahead of the curve, haven't quite got that depth. We've had some really unlucky injuries. um, And then the lads that are filling in um, and not injured and therefore having to play two, three times a week because we've gone deep into the Carabao Cup. We're playing in the league and also playing in the Champions League. 
and obviously a big game tomorrow night that we have to win. But playing with players who are absolutely cream cracker because they're not able to get a break no. in that playing two or three that, times I mean, because of some of the freak injuries we've had. That, that, yeah, but then that happened. The two things go together, don't they? The sheer number of games, more injuries and so on. But you're right. I think they're probably a couple of years you know, in front of where they're expected to be. I, I mean, you can, you can say yes with the, the number of games and the injuries, but also we've had some real freak injuries that are nothing yeah. to do with like number of games, like Nick Pope's dislocated yeah. shoulder. So yeah. I, I was saying that the best thing Newcastle can do is go and absolutely spend massively over the next two transfer windows, bring in a whole depth of squad with top quality with the Saudi money, and then just go and hire Man City's lawyers to protect us against any <laughs> financial fair play uh, claims. Yeah. Okay. Well, you did say uh, Newcastle and Manchester United both lost. They did indeed. Um, they were both, well, awful, uh, it's fair to say. And yes, the Champions League games, United tonight against Bayern and Newcastle tomorrow against AC Milan are vital as to their survival or otherwise in Europe. Uh, or maybe in Newcastle's case, going down to the Europa League, which is Thursday, Sunday. Uh, and that, again, is incredibly tiring. So don't mm. hold your breath on either of them. We'll just have to wait and see. You've I got think an the challenge athlete. is that they're relying on other teams' results as well. It's not like it's that's, in their own that's hands. That's the anymore. issue. It's not whether they could win. They both could win. Uh, the way they're playing at the moment, you would suggest not, but they could both win. But that could still mean... They don't qualify. So mm. we'll see. You've got an FA Cup story, haven't you? Yeah, this is a bit of an interesting one. So the first round tie between non-league Scarborough Athletic and League Two side Forest Green Rovers is being played again tonight. Played again, you say. Well, and I'm I'm definitely I'm carefully using that word rather than the word replay. So Forest Green won the initial game, the original first round game, five two. As you'd expect a league side to yeah. uh, league two side to do against a side that are what four divisions below them, but they were then charged with feel with fielding an ineligible player, which is a breach of the FA Cup rules. Yeah. So the game is being played again. It's not a replay. It's a rerunning of the first round game. Now, normally, if a game is a draw at the end of the first game in that tie, um, it would go to a replay. Yeah. And then in the replay, if it was still a draw, extra time penalties and the winner advances. But due to needing to get the second round in this weekend so they can get the third round in after Christmas and there being no space in the fixture lists for a replay, tonight could see FA Cup history made if, Scarborough, and it's now being played at Scarborough rather than the the original game in the tie was played at Forest Green. So they've switched mm -hmm. the host yeah. as punishment for Forest Green. If tonight's a draw, it will be the first time ever that a first round game has been drawn and not gone to replay. So an interesting one there that if they if it's nil nil or a draw at the end of normal time, it goes to extra time and straight into penalties, so they can get a winner tonight to get the second round played because they're already a couple of weeks behind when the second round was played. And then obviously the third round is in the early weekends in January. So the winners of this will go through to play in the second okay. round next week. 
but I just yeah, I thought it was an interesting one that Good. it could be a very bizarre outcome. Yeah. Okay. Rugby Union, Rugby League next. That's a big heading. There's plenty in there for you to go at. Yeah, I think before we get into anything else, um, first mention the sad passing of an Irish rugby legend and great, Sid Miller, who passed away at 89 at the weekend. So Miller was an Ulster prop who was capped 37 times by Ireland, and he toured with the British and Irish Lions in 1959, 1962, and 1968 as a player, earning nine caps across those three tours to Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa. He then moved into coaching, and he was the coach of the 1974 Invincible side. Willie John McBride was the captain of that very famous side. Players like Gareth Edwards, JPR, um, JJ Williams, Merv the Swerve Davis, Broom from Troom, some great players in that side. And Miller was the coach of that team. That's the only, well, they were the first ever side to win a series in South Africa at that time. And they're the only Lions tour to have gone unbeaten. They won 21 of their 22 matches and drew the other one with some very controversial home refereeing decisions in those days. Miller then also spent terms as the vice chairman and subsequently chairman of the International Rugby Board or World Rugby, right up through to and stepped down after his term ended just after the 2007 World Cup in France. So a true rugby man. He's survived by his two sons and his daughter, and our thoughts and condolences go out to them and all at Ulster Rugby. A really great man that's passed away there. Um, but in the actual games on the field, it was a European weekend, uh, European Champions Cup and Challenge Cup. Harlequins had a thrilling win over what are known as the Paris Galacticos, Racing 92. Uh, Quins came back from 28-17 down to win 31-28 with Marcus Smith right at the fore, um, putting his hat well and truly into the ring, obviously with Owen Farrell having stepped down from international duty for the Six Nations. Um, it was an intense atmosphere at the indoor stadium, La Défense Arena. Um, brilliant atmosphere, great stadium. I think Quins took over 6,000 fans across to Paris and... Uh, they were rewarded with that win. Sale beat the other Paris side, Stade Francais, 28-5. And Leinster got revenge over La Rochelle for their loss in the Heineken Cup final in May. Uh, you'll remember that was uh, marked by Johnny Sexton having a go at officials as they came off the pitch that earned him a ban. Well, this was a 16-9 win for Leinster. Um, in another spicy match between the two sides. I think there's certainly no love loss there, especially with La Rochelle being coached by former Munster great, obviously big rivals of Leinster in Ireland, Ronan O'Gara. And I think there's definitely um, no love loss there. And uh, it was a, a, a feisty affair, should we say. Bath kept up their winning ways with a 37-14 win over Ulster. And Cardiff suffered their biggest ever Heineken Cup defeat, losing 52-7 away to Toulouse. So it just shows that the club game in, in Wales or the regional game is still really struggling. I know we had all the threats of strikes and that earlier yes. on in 2023. There's still problems there, evidenced by 
Cardiff's big loss over the weekend. So, uh, yeah, some work still needed to be done there by the new chair of the Welsh uh, Rugby Board. OK, so um, what about Rugby League? How are we doing with that? Yeah, in Rugby League, um, obviously we're in the off-season at the moment um, because it's moved to a summer game. Uh, they're dropping the tackle height. So following uh, Rugby Union's efforts to drop the tackle drop the tackle height. Carl, that's <laughs> difficult to say. Um, in Rugby League, they're dropping the height from the shoulder to the armpit in an attempt to reduce the risk of head contact in tackles. So it comes in next year for grassroots, academy and reserve team games and then comes in in 2025 for the pro level rugby. And also at junior levels, the contact rugby is being replaced by tag rugby, which those who have um, ever coached junior rugby union or watched junior rugby union will be familiar with. Um, and over the next three years, that will be phased in across starting with under six and under sevens, under eights, under nines between now and 2026. So I, I hadn't realized that they still had contact rugby as early as under six and under seven in right. rugby league. But we know that the Northerners are a much tougher bunch than us Southerners. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Okay. Um, yeah, I've got uh, European Cross Country Championships in Belgium uh, taking place last weekend. Interesting from a GB point of view, quite successful. Uh, GB, uh, Great Britain's Abby Donnelly came third in the senior women's. Norway's Caroline Grovdal uh, came first, whilst Italy's Nadia Batocletti overtook Dinelli in the final stages to take second. Britain's uh, Megan Keith and Ines Fitzgerald won their respective women's under-23 and under-21 races. Compatriot Will Barracote won the men's under-23s uh, and his teammate, Matthew Stornia was third. So overall, there were seven victories for the GB team. As the senior women's team, uh, under 23 men's and women's team, and under 20s claimed gold. So a good weekend for the GB team. Okay, I've got uh, NFL next, Andy. Yes, um, so the 49ers continued their winning ways with a 28-16 win over Seattle, which currently has them in the first place on the on the ladder and the rankings as we head to the playoffs. Um, 49ers are now on a 10-3 season, 10 wins to three defeats, with just four regular season games left. So looking very good. I've promised Lee Spore, friend of the show, regular listener, <laughs> And a yes. 49ers fan, I promised him I'm not going to put any Callahan shekels on the 49ers because that is the kiss of death. But I'm very tempted because they're looking good. <laughs> um, the Dolphins missed a chance to go 10-3 as well, an equal top uh, when they lost last night 28-27 to my team, the Tennessee Titans. Um, the Dolphins look to have it sewn up with a 14-point lead with just four minutes left on the clock. Um, but the Titans uh, scored a touchdown and then instead of kicking the uh, conversion or goal for the extra point, 
you can go for a nut try for another touchdown from where you would take the kick and that gives you a two-point conversion well they scored the two-point conversion and that was enough when they then scored a late touchdown and the goal with probably a minute and a half minute left on the clock that was enough for the uh titans to steal it 28 27 so that was the titans first win on the road this season they're not going to make the playoffs i haven't even got a chance of making the wild card spot but it was the dolphins first home defeat as well so uh that was a yeah. a missed opportunity for them um the patriots ended a five game losing streak beating the steelers 21 18 and i think that eases some of the pressure on their great coach, Bill Belichick. Um, this season, they've really been struggling, and I think he's looking at retirement, but at least they've stopped that losing run. And in a game showing that not everything in American football is free-flowing, attacking play, uh, the Minnesota Vikings beat the Las Vegas Raiders 3-0 with the only score in the game being a field goal in the last five minutes of the final quarter. So that was the only score in that game in Nevada. And I cannot think of anything worse than sitting through what would be, although it's an hour on the game clock, it's yeah. normally about three, three and a half hours in real time. So fans who'd gone along to that expecting a good night, uh, got a good night's sleep as they would have had to sit through um, three hours of football to get one field goal in the whole they, game. They would hate that. Absolutely hate it, the Americans. OK, uh, I've got cricket next. Uh, in the men's third ODI, the 50-overs game in the West Indies, England lost in the deciding game in the three-match series. They lost in a rain-affected match by four wickets via the Duckwood Duckworth Lewis method. England were 206 for nine, Duckett 71 and Livingston 45, whilst West Indies were 191 for six. And as I say, losing, England losing via the Duckworth Lewis calculation, which always seems unsatisfactory. They have to come to some solution about it in a reduced overs game, but ending a poor season. It was a poor game and a poor season for the 50-over team. How about the women's game, Andy? Um, slightly better news for the women's game. Um, they're on a white ball tour of India, which is always a tough uh, country to tour. In fact, they've, they've white ball and test series. They'll be playing a test match in India as well. But they won the T20 series 2-1. They were le leading 2-0 after great performances in the first two games with the bat by Danny Wyatt and Natsiva Brunt, uh, both scored 70-odd in the first game. Um, and the ball by Sophie Eccleston, Sarah Glenn, um, Charlie Dean, and Lauren Bell. They had great performances in those first two games with the ball. Uh, so the third game was a dead rubber, and India hit back in the final match, restricting England to 126, despite a battling 52 by captain Heather Knight. Um, India won with an one over to spare in the 20 overs um, after a match winning 48 by Smriti Mandana. So a great performance there, really sets things up nicely for the test match. And as Heather Knight, the captain, has said quite openly, the one thing that maybe where we play so few women's tests 
globally. Um, you know, the one thing that they haven't ever experienced any of these players in the squad is what a four or five day game in India with the heat, the dry pitches, things like that, the way the can, conditions can change and really favours spin as the match goes on. I think it'll be a really interesting test, no pun intended, mm. for this England team to see where they're at. They maybe had their struggles against spin over the summer. Ash Gardner, the Australian bowler, really took a hold in both the test match and the uh, one-day internationals. And then that series uh, T20 defeat to Sri Lanka, where the spinners really uh, dominated in England this summer. I think that could could be a real challenge for them. But hopefully they've been working on that and working against the spin. And of course, irrespective of who India put out, England have, back in their ranks after her shoulder surgery in the summer, not only the number one bowler in the world, but the number one spin bowler with Sophie Eccleston, the Lancashire left arm yes. spinner. So be really interesting to see how England's batters go against India's spin and how um, Charlie Dean and Sophie Eccleston can use the conditions to really help them. So I think it'll be an exciting game. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, netball next. We haven't mentioned that for a while because it's they're not. It's the uh, close season at the moment. But international uh, netball we have. England Roses held off South Africa to win Sunday's decider of a three-match series in front of 6,000 excited fans in Nottingham. The Roses stormed into the lead and managed to hold on 53-50 in the end. England will actually return in the new year by hosting the Nations Cup against Uganda, New Zealand and World Cup winners Australia. That's a lot to look forward to in netball terms. We'll be reporting on that. Andy, I've got hockey next. Yeah, so it was a bad week for uh, Great Britain teams in hockey's uh, Nations Pro League. The men lost 2-1 to Argentina, then beat the Netherlands 3-2 before going down 2-1 in the return game against the Dutch. So two defeats and one win for the men. The women also lost 2-1 to Argentina, although that was in a shootout after it was 0-0 at the end of regular time. They then um, had a double disaster against the Dutch, a Dutch double disaster, um, <laughs> where they lost 8-0 and then lost the second game 5-1. So three defeats there. So not the best of times over in Argentina um, where all these games were played in this round of the Nations League for uh, the Great Britain teams. So hopefully better to come when they come back to Europe, um, I think, in the new year. Okie dokie. Right. I've got uh, contacts next. The contact I had was from null and voider Hugh Davis Davis. After our recent week off, he was delighted to receive last week's podcast when I sent it out. He said, great that you're back again. I really miss my Friday morning fix of Null and Void. Thanks, you, a real true friend of the podcast. And I know he listens in Madeira on a Friday morning. That's his best time, usually sitting under some palm tree or other. But anyway, so thanks for that, Hugh. So I, you got I, well, having been over there, I'll know that he's... Hughes sat there with a glass of poncha, which is the very powerful uh, rum-based drink that they have out there. So, uh, 
yeah, very tasty, but very powerful. So, uh, yeah, enjoy enjoy the poncha whilst you're listening to the pod. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got a, a contact from um, sometimes uh, co-host Paddy Malarkey, who obviously stepped in for you while you were off uh, visiting the uh, father outposts of the Empire last <laughs> month. Um, and Paddy sent through with, um, so a listener question for the pod this week. Uh, Tony and Andy... You can only pick one of each pair for this. Who finishes higher out of the following pairs of teams? So you can only pick either Villa or Spurs. Who do we think will finish higher in the league out of those two, given Villa's recent run? And then he's gone Man United or Newcastle United. So I'm going to answer the second one first, Paddy. And I think United are going to finish top out of those two. Which one? I'm just going to say United are going to finish top out of <laughs> well, those. That's cowardly. That's cowardly. <laughs> no, I, I actually think that Manchester United will finish higher than Newcastle this season. But I think both Villa and Spurs will finish higher than United. And I think it will be Villa and then Spurs. So uh, my prediction there, having to pick Villa or Spurs, I'm picking Villa and Man United or Newcastle United. At the If I can't just pick a United... I'm going to have to pick Man United. What about yourself, Tony? Villa or Spurs? Man U or Newcastle? Although uh, I obviously dislike agreeing with you, um, <laughs> I go with it. Villa, I think, yeah. And the only proviso with them is the one we've mentioned, which is, you know, the European Conference and everything that goes with that. But they look very capable. Uh, so I put them ahead of Spurs. And one of the things about Spurs they have a defender called Romero. Every single time I see him play, I know he's going to get booked. He's already been banned a couple of times, but he, he is a, a real thug. He doesn't know how to tackle people. He just plays through them. And I think people like that, and he seems to be very well liked. And of course, he's very strong. But when he gets it wrong, he gets it wrong big time. And I think that's a liability in the Spurs defence. They do concede quite a lot of goals. But well, I you, think mentioned, the... you mentioned thugs and liabilities. We've got a great one of those coming up as a footballer in Get a Grip, but more of that in a minute. Very definitely, very definitely. I'm ready and firing already for that one. And I think Manchester United uh, against Newcastle, I think they'll come up the right side. But again, that's it could well be that United are out of Europe uh, and, and Newcastle are still in. So that might be the factor. I think the one thing we can both say about Newcastle and Manchester, the two Uniteds at the moment, is the both of them are consistently inconsistent. Oh, they're awful. They're they're very Spursy, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think I think yeah. Um, Spurs have stopped being Spursy under Ange Ball. Uh, Newcastle and Man United. If if Orange is the new Black, then Manchester United and Newcastle are the new Spurs. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that does lead us quite nicely on to get a grip. Now, allow me to introduce you to Joey Barton. He starts off on the wrong foot with me because he was born in Liverpool and played football for Manchester City. People have been known to recover from these setbacks, but not Barton. Yes, he played with City and even played 12 minutes as a sub for England. But his spells as manager of Bristol Rovers and Fleetwood don't seem to have brought him the respect he believes he deserves. In fact, 
One of his latest utterances was that he believed there was a racist bias against middle-aged white British managers like him. There could be a factor there that people don't employ him as a manager uh, because actually he's not very good. Well, the, the fact is that, you know, he, 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 alongside a lot of people, if you look at the figures, are quite simply, there is a bias in totally the other direction. Uh, amongst the, those figures. So it just might be, Joey, you're not very good. At the same time, he attracted more headlines by saying that uh, women's football pundits should not be allowed to talk about the men's game because they've never played it. I think there's a slight problem with that, Joey, isn't there really? They're unlikely to play the men's game. But anyway, um, also he said the Lionesses are not very good and will be beaten by a good uh, men's Sunday league team. My personal view is Joey isn't very bright, but he is streetwise and just so happens he's about to launch a podcast. So that I think the real that's the real driver. Don't ask me to listen, Joey. Your outdated sexist, racist views are from another century as far as I'm concerned. Yes, of course, not every female football pundit is good, nor are many of the male pundits. That's why I listen or, or watch with the sound down most of the time. But you pick yourself out of the pack, Joey, for being particularly stupid. Get a very big grip of yourself. You're a first-class pillock. And that wasn't the term I was going to use until I spoke to Andy and our lawyers. Thank you, no. Joey. Um I think you've said all that needs to be said there. I think, as you say, um, it's no coincidence that he's recycling. Not even He's not even bright enough to come up with his own controversial views. These were ones that were uttered by, I think, was it Kevin Keegan about four or five weeks ago? The hullabaloo over that has blown over. Yeah. And then Joey jumps in and thinks that now it's a good idea to recycle that um, as he's trying to drum up listeners for his podcast uh what i would say dear listeners is that tony and i aren't worried um about losing listeners to joey barton nor are we worried about losing our title of the two most stupid sports pundits around <laughs> even to joey barton so uh um yeah we're, we're not threatened by that in any way shape or form bring it on uh, because we know that we can bring you a better class of idiot than joey barton ever could yeah I think we I think we've managed that on most weeks actually. Anyway, some great news. Uh, Spotify and we go out on Apple as well, but Spotify have done a sort of annual review of all the podcasters and how they've done. And one of the figures I'll just pick out tonight, and we'll talk about others later, is a fifty-eight percent year-on-year increase on Spotify, which is brilliant. I haven't seen Apple figures. I don't know if they will be producing them, but that's really heartening. I'll say why it's heartening because. You, dear listener, are the driver of all of that. We really, really respect the time and effort you give to listening to us and your participation in the podcast. That's brilliant news for us. We'll keep going. But I'll tell you something you can help us with here. Spread the word. We want to double the figures, you know, go again, 58% increase next year. But spread the word on your network of be it Facebook or wherever. Tell everybody else about Null and Void. We probably don't say that enough. I'm I'm having a go at both of us when I say that, but we should 
tell more people to spread the word. It's happening. We want more of it. But we really do appreciate you being there with us on a week-to-week basis, as we always do say at a time and a place uh, that suits you. Hope you were with us again, and of course, next week. But also want just to say that next week we should have it. We like first, I'm not avoid. We're going to have a, a, a chair of a rugby club for the first time speaking with us. And I hope she'll be with us next week in our Last Before Christmas podcast. Andy, you any comments on the figures? Yeah, look, looking forward to that. Um, and certainly with the Spotify numbers, just as you say, yeah, thank you, listeners. Um, you know, 43 countries uh, as well that we're into now. We'd love to add more countries to that. Please do help us spread the word. Indeed. So that brings us to a conclusion for this episode 130. We look forward to being with you next week, as we say, at a time and a place that suits you. And we look forward to your company then. Thank you very much for being with us. See you later. Bye. Cheerio, folks. Null and Void with Tony Grundy and Andy Callahan. Together, they don't add up to much. If you have a sports story, you can contact the team on nandv at forthenow.co.uk. 